As we get deeper into the pandemic, vaccines that can limit the spread of COVID-19 have emerged. With the news of two new vaccines authorized in Canada, there has been lots of discussion surrounding the safety, efficacy, and contents of these vaccines. My name is Miranda. I'm a Bachelor of Science student and lab assistant at McMaster University. I've been very interested in the development of COVID-19 vaccines because when working in a research lab, it's hard not to be fascinated by the amazing scientific breakthroughs that have followed this pandemic. I have noticed in recent media outlets and when talking to people, many individuals hold skeptical attitudes towards being vaccinated for COVID-19. I understand where these people are coming from and I think that these are healthy skepticisms. This vaccine has had a very fast development process of only one year. Usually vaccines take multiple years to develop and get approved. I'm here in this series of I Don't Know Much to discuss the recently approved COVID-19 vaccines, the myths and media that have been highlighted in the news, and shed light into the amazing scientific journey these vaccines have undergone. While I know that some people will decline the vaccine without knowing what it's about, I also know people will willingly take the vaccine without knowing what it's about. I am here to provide information that will allow everyone to make informed healthcare decisions for themselves, whatever they may be. In this episode of I Don't Know Much, we are going to talk about the mRNA vaccines that have been approved for COVID-19 specifically what the approval process entailed, what an mRNA vaccine is, and how we know it's safe. So let's start off with the basics. What is COVID-19? Okay, coronaviruses are a type of virus. SARS-CoV-2 is a newly identified coronavirus that has caused a worldwide pandemic of respiratory illness called COVID-19. SARS-CoV-2 stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome-Related Coronavirus 2. This coronavirus is in the same family as the virus that caused the global SARS respiratory illness of 2002, known as SARS-CoV. COVID-19 is different from SARS in that COVID-19 seems to spread faster and cause less severe illness than SARS in most individuals. COVID-19 emerged in China in December 2019 and soon spread all across the world. In March 2020, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic, meaning it has spread to multiple countries. Health officials are still tracing the exact source of the new coronavirus, and some have thought that it originated in a seafood market in Wuhan, China. However, investigations are still ongoing. People can carry this virus for up to two weeks before symptoms start to show, which can cause increased transmission of a virus without even knowing. r naught is a term that indicates how contagious an infectious disease is and tells you the average number of people who would contract a contagious disease from one person with that disease. An article that was published in the peer-reviewed medical journal The Lancet indicates the r naught for SARS-CoV-2 between 2 and 5, meaning one person with COVID-19 will infect roughly 2 to 5 people over the course of their disease. This is a higher value than some previous flu pandemics and higher than SARS-CoV. So I've heard rumors that this virus could have been 
manufactured? Uh, I mean, was COVID nineteen created in a lab? It's not unheard of for laboratory releases of dangerous viruses, but there's nothing to indicate this type of breach with the current pandemic. In terms of being created or manufactured by a lab, coronaviruses are very common in animals, including bats, which are reservoirs for many viruses that we don't even know about. Scientists believe that at some point near the end of 2019, the virus's genetic code mutated in a way that allowed it to jump from its animal reservoir into its first human host. This is known as a zoonotic transfer. When the novel coronavirus genome was released, researchers extensively analyzed its features and stated in a report published to the scientific journal Nature that they found that SARS-CoV-2 had all notable features of coronaviruses, and they do not believe that any type of laboratory-based scenario is possible. So, I heard that the Pfizer slash BioNTech and the Moderna vaccines were approved by Health Canada. But I don't know what this actually means. So, what does it mean for a vaccine to be approved? In December 2020, Health Canada approved the Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna mRNA vaccines for distribution to control the spread of COVID-19. They were authorized under a special section of the Food and Drugs Act. This section is used by the Minister of Health if they believe that immediate action is required to manage health, safety, or the environment. In the authorization of COVID-19 therapeutics, like vaccines, Health Canada can support early access to health products when the potential benefits outweigh the potential risks. This is one of the main reasons for the fast approval process of this vaccine. However, the approval must be supported by evidence that the product is safe, effective, and of good quality. Following the distribution of the vaccines, producing companies must submit to Health Canada monthly post-market safety monitoring reports, including information about serious and non-serious adverse vaccine reactions. They must also submit any further data on the long-term safety and effectiveness of the vaccines, including final data from ongoing clinical trials and further quality data confirming that the manufacturing processes and controls will continue to consistently produce a product of suitable quality for intended use. The government also provides risk management plans and international considerations about the vaccine that can be found on the Health Canada website. The vaccines have started rollout with at-risk populations. Once more vaccines are available, the low-risk population will be able to get vaccinated. Ontario is also ensuring that the necessary two doses of each vaccine will be available for each person getting vaccinated at the time during distribution. So it has a very rigorous approval and follow-up process. Yeah, of course. I know what DNA is. DNA is. I guess I have. You know, I do. To be frank, I don't know what RNA is, and I have no clue what mRNA is. So I keep on hearing the word mRNA vaccine. What does this mean? Yeah, so there are three types of RNA.、Mm. Both of the recently approved vaccines are mRNA vaccines, like you said. mRNA stands for messenger ribonucleic acid. This is similar to DNA, which is deoxyribonucleic acid. Cells use DNA to make RNA, and then the RNA is used to make proteins. The coronavirus itself has 29 main proteins. The protein on the surface is known as the spike protein, which is really important for the coronavirus to infect our healthy cells. 
Researchers looked at the genetic code of the virus and found the mRNA that makes the spike protein. Then they took that single mRNA region and incorporated it into these vaccines, which are then given to us. This tells us that it's not the whole virus that they are incorporating into the vaccine. It's the one single mRNA that codes for that spike protein. For the vaccine, the mRNA is packaged into something called a lipid nanoparticle, which is just a very small fat bubble. And this bubble easily fuses into our cells when we receive the vaccine. Once our cells see this mRNA, they start to recruit our protein-making machinery and actually make the spike protein of the coronavirus. Once we build the spike protein from the mRNA, our cells will recognize it as foreign to our body and will start to elicit an immune response to kill this cell. Before our defense system kills the cell, it remembers that this protein is foreign and will build antibodies to it that protect us from it in the future. Like with most vaccines, it will take about two weeks for our body to build this immune response. And in this case, we are given two doses of the vaccine, a number of days apart, in order to get full protection from the virus. After receiving the second dose, if exposed to COVID-19 in the future, our body will be able to recognize that spike protein and prevent any infection from occurring. I want to reiterate that the vaccine is not giving us the whole virus. It's giving us this one region that codes for one protein of the virus. I also want to express how cool this is, as these are two of the first mRNA vaccines that have been approved for use, and they are documented as major scientific discoveries. Okay, then. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. What is actually in the newly approved vaccines? Pfizer and Moderna have been really transparent with what's in the actual vaccine formulas and what's getting injected into our bodies. There are four components of each vaccine. Of course, we have the messenger RNA that encodes the viral spike protein of the coronavirus. Then we have the lipids I mentioned earlier, which are fats that encase the mRNA, protect it, and help it slide inside our cells. The vaccine also contains salts and help keep the acidity of the vaccine close to that of our bodies. They also help our body absorb the solution and protect the mRNA and lipid bubble. The last component is sucrose, which is sugar. This acts as a protectant of the vaccine during freezing. There are also temperature requirements for these vaccines, as the mRNA can easily degrade at lower temperatures before use. Pfizer's vaccine needs to be kept frozen at minus 70 degrees Celsius, while Moderna's vaccine can be stored at normal freezer temperatures, like minus 20 degrees Celsius. The only way to keep these vaccines cold during their transport is through dry ice. Dry ice is solid carbon dioxide, and it's constantly vaporizing. This means each package of vaccines is shipped with enough dry ice to allow it to last. In fact, UPS is making specific facilities tasked with producing enough dry ice materials needed to ship vaccines across the world. Moderna's vaccine use a different lipid nanoparticle makeup that allows it to maintain its quality at lower temperatures than the Pfizer vaccine. The lower temperature will also make it easier for storage of those vaccines in areas that are not equipped to handle minus 70 degree requirements. So what, then I need you to tell me a little bit, what makes a vaccine safe to take? Like how do I as a consumer know, how do I know that this vaccine is safe? 
Great question. There has been lots of controversy from the public around this because the development has been very fast-paced relative to typical vaccine development and testing processes, which can take many years. A factor of the COVID-19 vaccine fast development is the increased investment of resources from researching bodies and funding partners. Another factor of this fast development pace was the ease of clinical trials. Clinical trials can typically be held back due to low volunteer numbers and low disease prevalence, neither of which were an issue in this case. But really, in order for me to answer this question fully, I'm going to walk through what the development process has looked like for these vaccines. In January of 2020, the novel coronavirus genome was released by a research group in Shanghai. From this point forward, many different groups started creating potential vaccine formulas to limit the spread of COVID-19. Once formulas were created, groups then began their preclinical studies. The release of the genome allowed researchers to access the code for the spike protein, and this is what they decided to model the vaccines with, as this protein is crucial for human cell entry. After four months of preclinical studies, clinical trials began with volunteer human participants. There are three phases of clinical trials. Phase one is the safety trial, where scientists give the vaccine to a small number of people to test safety and dosage, and to confirm that it stimulates the immune system. During phase two, scientists give the vaccine to hundreds of people, attempting to establish effectiveness in preventing infection and appropriate dosing levels. During phase three, scientists give the vaccine to thousands of people and wait to see how many become infected, compared with volunteers who receive a placebo. Phase three trials are usually where the population tests are large enough to reveal evidence of relatively rare side effects. Normally, phase one, two, and three clinical trials happen separately, but because of the critical need for a COVID-19 vaccine, the phases did overlap. April 2020 marked the beginning of phase one and then phase two clinical trials, and this was followed by phase two and three clinical trials at the end of July. All of the participants in these studies were volunteers. After four months of phase three trials, data was submitted to regulators and to the media that highlighted vaccine efficacy. Because of the need for these vaccines, researchers were able to push forward with combined clinical trials that still covered all of the safety and efficacy checkpoints necessary. The Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, the first COVID-19 vaccine approved in Canada, had over 36,000 participants in their phase three clinical trials. Half of the group was given the actual COVID-19 vaccine being tested, while the other half was given a placebo vaccine of saltwater solution. Neither group was told what they were receiving. The vaccine was tested as a two-dose regimen, where participants would receive one vaccine dose and then 21 days later come back and receive the next one. After receiving each shot, participants were set back into their daily lives, continuing to follow public health measures that had been set in place, like masks and social distancing. Of just over 36,000 study participants, 8,183 participants over both, group, over both groups had reactions after vaccine administration. This included mild to moderate pain at the injection site, which mostly resolved within one to two days. Over the course of the study, six participants died. Indicated by the external investigating organizations, these deaths were not related to the vaccine or placebo. 
months after the second dose of the vaccine, eight cases of COVID-19 were observed among vaccine recipients and 162 among placebo recipients, which equates to a vaccine efficacy of 95%. Efficacy is defined as the ability to produce a desired or intended result. In this case, Reacher is intended to prevent the development of COVID-19. This means that in 95% of cases, the vaccine prevented COVID-19 infection. Moderna conducted a similar study and found 94.5% efficacy. After these results, government officials began extensively reviewing the contents of the studies and deemed authorization of both vaccines in Canada. This whole process has been an extraordinary feat for science as researchers have been able to do so much in such a short amount of time. This unusual speed made raise concerns for safety, but looking deeper into the clinical trials of different vaccines and development for COVID-19, many of them have been paused or completely abandoned due to unrecognizable symptoms or improper dosing. For example, AstraZeneca halted large, late-stage global clinical trials of its coronavirus vaccine in September because of a serious suspected adverse reaction in a participant in the UK. Even though they were not sure if the reaction was due to the vaccine or coincidental, the pause trials allowed a safety review and investigation of the illness. Sanofi and GlaxoKlein-Smith were also working on a vaccine and had hoped to start phase three clinical trials in December. However, they encountered a problem that related to inadequate results in older adults during their phase one and phase two trials that was ultimately due to an inadequate formula of their vaccine. This means that if the organizations producing their recently approved vaccines were to have had hiccups during their trials, these vaccines would not be available. With the large number of participants in these vaccine studies, any potential downfalls would be abundantly transparent. These vaccines are not being given to individuals under certain ages, 16 for Pfizer, 18 for Moderna, as these age groups were not represented well enough during the clinical trials. There is so much on the line for these companies, Health Canada, and all other regulatory bodies as they choose to move forward with these vaccines. I hope that you all enjoyed this episode of I Don't Know Much, where we discussed the recently approved mRNA vaccines. Everything I've discussed today is all based on what I've learned through personal research that I've done using academic journals and official websites. If anything I've talked about today sparked your interest and you want to learn more, I encourage you to check out credible sources like the journal Nature and be wary of misinformation. In the next two episodes, I'm going to talk about some of the misinformation that has surrounded the release of these vaccines. Stay safe, stay smart, see you next time.